So this is the thanks I get for working overtime. Overtime! You think you know me. from the White Claw Hard Seltzer Studios. It's overtime with William Patterson, Dawson Wise, and Jace Brown joining you on a Monday, a victory Monday for the Tennessee Vols in baseball and basketball this weekend. Uh, A good weekend to be a Vol fan. Yeah. Um, Some great college basketball games as well. We'll dive into it all on this hour. Um, 865-546-8200, your number. You want to hop in and join on our conversation. Uh, we'll talk about the the Vols cruising past the Great Danes this weekend. You uh, Albany, a tough weekend uh, to be a U Albany fan um, after a, a tough, tough weekend for yeah. them. Yeah. Um, as always, we'll give our best bets at the end of the hour. But we begin with this, and it's the Vols avenge an early season loss and crush the Texas A&M Aggies at home. The now fourth-ranked Tennessee Volunteers dominated the final 25 minutes Saturday night at Food City Center to defeat Texas A&M 86-51 and give head coach Rick Barnes the 800th victory of his illustrious career. Uh, the Vols improved to 21-6 and 11-3 and in SEC play and got a game-best 24 points, including 15 in the second half from fifth-year guard Dalton Connect in front of a sold-out over-capacity crowd of 22,322. They were packing them in on Saturday night. Uh, Barnes' team shot 46.4% from the field in the opening half while holding the Aggies to just 27.8% on the other end. Uh, The Volunteers scored 12 of the opening 17 points of the second frame, making it a 25-8 extended burst to grab a commanding 17-point advantage, uh, 49-32 with about 16 minutes remaining in the game. The Aggies never cut their deficit below 13 from that point on. Uh, Tennessee scored nine straight times in the two-minute, 37-minute spark uh, to an impressive 34-12 run over the final 12-35, pushing the margin all the way to 35, with freshman guard Cameron Carr capping the scoring on a fast-break dunk with seconds left in the final um, horn, uh, seconds left till the final horn, I should say. Uh, to eclipse 20 points for the eighth time in his last 13 games, Dawn Connect shot 7 of 14 from the field, 4 of 9 from behind the arc, and 6 of 7 at the stripe, something he struggled with too. Yes. Um, yes. He struggled at the line recently, 6 of 7, really good stuff from him. Uh, added 7 rebounds in the triumph as well. Uh, junior forward Jonas Adu 
logged his eighth double-double of the season with 18 points and a game-best 14 rebounds against an Aggies team that we talked about. Uh, rebounds the ball very, very well. Adu held his own, uh, becoming the first volunteer with that stat line since March 21st, 2014. Uh, he finished 9 of 14 from the floor and led all players with three blocks. Uh, sophomore forward Tome Awaka, another good performance from him. 12 points on 5 of 6 shooting to go along with 6 rebounds. And junior guard Zakai Ziegler turned in a dazzling line of 9 points and a career-high 9 rebounds and a career-high 14 assists and 0 turnovers. 1 point and uh, 1 rebound short of a flawless triple-double. Yes, yes. Uh, no other Division One player in at least the last 19 seasons has recorded such a stat line. A really big night for a bunch of guys on the court. Big night for the Vols. Needed to respond after a disgusting loss on the road to this Aggies team a couple weeks ago. Um, especially with a couple of these teams at the top losing re uh, recently. Purdue lost last Sunday. Arizona lost this past week. UConn as well. Um, and, and UConn isn't necessarily – UConn and Purdue aren't guys – aren't teams that are going to necessarily move the needle for the Vols. But Arizona yeah. is a, is an important one. Yep. Um, and the, they cannot get it done. Vols now move a little bit closer to a possible one seed. Uh, we'll talk more about that later on in the week. Um, but, guys, takeaways from the Vols' dominant win. Dawson, we'll yeah, with you. You finished the job. Uh, you know, it got up to it. Not a rocky start, I would say, but but they were certainly in the game early. Yes. Uh, yeah. Mainly because of, was it Radford or Taylor that hit Taylor just went three, three for three like, in, in the first row. like minute and a half. Yeah. Yeah. So, Taylor. they weren't really in the game. You just had to kind of, you know, stay in there and settle in, and, and the Vols did that and finished the job. Uh, going into the locker room up 10, I thought was great. Looked like you maybe were going to be up five. Instead, you have a little run there at the end. Santi beats the buzzer. Big shot, needed that. Uh, you go in up 10, and, man, they just never looked back. That yeah, second mm -hmm. half was as dominant as I've seen this team be yeah. uh, all year long. Uh, you, you stifled them on defense, especially in the second half. You shot well on offense, again, especially in the second half. Um, and you've got the job done. You finished the job. You never let them back in the game, and that's huge. You spread the wealth as well. We talk mm -hmm. about that a lot. This team is a well-oiled machine. It is lethal when everybody's working. Yeah. I yeah. mean, DK, Ziegler, Adu, Awaka now. How about Awaka? Back-to-back double-digit performances for him. He's coming into his own as well. And James looked good at times the other night as well. Jordan Ganey hit some shots the other night. When everybody's on, everybody's on the same page, the offense is absolutely lethal, which is the one thing that these teams, these Barnes teams have lacked when they've been at the top of the standings is, well, they just don't have any offense. They don't have any firepower. This year, this team has added the firepower, and, man, they had it for sure in the second half, just big shot after big shot. I mean, you spread it across – and so that was great as well. Uh, and you got your style points. Uh, instead yeah. of emptying the walk-ons, they poured it on. Yeah. With like three minutes to go in this game, it felt like, okay, well, you're up 30 now. You're going to just throw the walk-ons out there. Even Cam Carr is throwing it down like it's oh, the dunk it, it, contest. It was a nasty one, too. He on knocked that thing way back, floor, dude. Tomahawk dunk. Yeah. Uh, but alley you were doing alley-oops. Adu was throwing it down on lobs. Uh, Zakai Ziegler with the up and under yeah. circus layup. Yeah. yeah, I mean, if you wanted style points for the selection committee, which you know they're going to look at when they're doing one seed. Sure. If you knew, if you wanted that in a game, you got it on Saturday night. Yeah. I mean, this was razzle dazzle at its finest. Yeah. Uh, from everybody on the floor, 
it felt like, you know, we know what you guys did to us in College Station, and we, we noticed how you celebrated that, and uh, we did not like that too much. Mm. So a little taste of, not taste of their own medicine, but hey, we didn't like that, and we're going to show it to you. Yeah. Uh, I think it was best encapsulated. After Cam Carr's dunk, they panned to the A&M bench uh, and provided <laughs> yeah. us one of the best stills of an yeah, away yeah. bench I've ever seen uh, with them just looking dumbfounded. So you got your stop points as well. Yeah, yeah it, it was uh, it was very fun for everybody in the arena. I know, I know William talked about uh, being – there as well I was there and it was just like you said it was electric I mean they checkerboarded it out uh the fans were into it all game especially in that second half when they started pulling away uh and things got a little bit more loose uh it, everybody was having fun I remember seeing triple z and uh or double z and triple j both like laughing going down the court after uh like uh Zakai had stolen an inbound pass and laid it up and in like yeah. he has several times this year uh I think the biggest takeaway though uh Rebounding, I, I think that's by far. I, I think the margin. We're going to talk about it here in a minute. Fifty to thirty-three. I don't think we've seen oh, that dominant of a rebounding performance from a Rick Barnes squad in quite some time, if not ever. Uh, so being aggressive uh, on that end and being just relentless on defense, forcing horrible shots by the Aggies uh, and taking advantage of getting the rebounds, moving and transitioning, getting down the court. Putting up good shots, I, I think that's really what set this team apart on Saturday. It was really, really fun to watch. Yeah, my buddy who I was sitting with, he turned to me and he was like, man, this this kind of energy hasn't been here in, in a game like this since Bruce Pearl was around. You, right, just yeah. the, just, you talk about the showmanship. I mean, um, outside of what was going on in the court, you had – um, you know, free T-shirts to everyone in the lower bowl. Mm-hmm. Um, just there was a buzz around, and it wasn't Buzz Williams. Um, and <laughs> despite like walking on the court yes, several times, yes. still. Um, so that in itself, I thought was really cool. You can feel the buzz around this team. You can feel that um, a lot of people know how special this group is. So that was one takeaway I had. Now going to the X's and O's. Um, first off, and as you mentioned, Jace, the rebounding differential. Um, I looked up middle of the second half at the um, the scorecard mm-hmm. up top. I was like, man, we're out rebounding by 15 right now. Yeah. This is the best rebounding team offensively in the country, um, and they're dominant on the glass on both sides. And you're able to control the glass on both sides of the ball. Um, they never really got too many second-chance opportunities. There were a couple in that first half. Uh, but when you start dominating in the second – um, not many second chance opportunities for them, and that's why I think you saw that lead uh, gradually balloon. Um, what I took away was these guys are boxing out, they're finding their man, they're being disciplined. It's fundamental basketball, um, and a lot of that stuff nowadays kind of gets overshadowed by um, you know showmanship offense and and all these uh, like the Kentucky game. Like everyone gets so riled up about how Kentucky put up 100 some points, but when you go back to the X's and O's. If you want to win these games, you got to practice fundamentals. That's what the Vols did yeah. on Saturday. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, the defense, you know, we're going to talk about here in a second, you know, bottling up Wade Taylor and Tyrese Radford. Um, you know, Wade Taylor got off to a really hot start, and it quickly cooled off because yeah. the Vols tightened up things a little bit. You saw Ziegler um, kind of really playing them almost at half court, um, making sure that you didn't give these, these guys any opportunities to get a good look um, and, and really – uh, a dominant win all the way around, a lot of showmanship, a fun night. That was a good win for the Vols and um, gives Rick Barnes a memorable 800th win uh, as well. Uh, graduate student guard Tyrese Radford and junior guard Wade Taylor IV co-led Texas A&M with 11 points apiece, uh, totaling a lower combined total than each had in the team's February 14th matchup uh, in College Station when they had 27 and 25 respectively. 
Uh, Tennessee held Radford to four of 16 shooting, including two of nine from deep, uh, and limited Taylor to a three of 12 ledger, including a three of 10 mark from behind the arc. Uh, junior guard Jace Carter added 10 for the Aggies all before halftime. Um, and we talk about halftime. I think there was a little bit of a, a click of, all right, you know, we're not really out in front of these guys very much. Let's turn turn it up a notch defensively, and let's turn these defensive stops into points and transition offensively. That's exactly what you saw. Came out with a lot of energy in that second half. Um, how good was the Vols' defense on Saturday? Oh, it was incredible. You did everything that you needed to do and everything that we talked about on Friday when we gave our keys to the game to stop these guys. Uh, everything you did wrong in College Station, it feels like you did right in this game. You fixed it. Mm. Uh, you took the stars out of the game. You took away the guard play, which we have emphasized every single time this team plays, uh, that you need to take away the guards, and they did that and, and did that in a big way. They, we basically told them, you said, if, you're gonna, if you guys are going to beat us, you're going to have to do it with someone else than Tyrese Radford or Wade Taylor. Mm. Um, and they just never could. You never let them settle, settle into the game. You took those guys out, and they just were never able to get anything going. Uh, you played very aggressive. You flew around and made plays, as I always like to say. You did that all game. Yeah. Uh, they do that on a different level at home. We'll get to talk about that here in a minute. But when they're at home, they're playing aggressive. They're up in up in the grill of the of the offensive player. Mm-hmm. Uh, that team just cannot get anything going. They're throwing up bad shots, and we get the effort like we saw. So it was dominant. Yeah, it was. Uh, you know, you, you bring up just being and like on everybody's grill. That's a great way to put it. I mean, the switches that this defense was pulling off was really quick. Something that we sometimes aren't used to seeing where uh, it'll take a second for somebody to regroup with their man but this team was on it on Saturday uh, and that going along with of course stopping your star and Wade Taylor I mean he hit his first three shots in this one then you know nothing else so I, I think with that aspect might have had sort of a trickle effect because I mean when your guy's not on it you really who are you going to be looking for Radford he didn't have the best night either so from there, it just kind of cascaded throughout the rest of uh, the Aggie offense. And, you know, the Vols forced them pretty deep into the shot clock pretty regularly, uh, forced them to ma- take bad shots at that with uh, that in mind. So uh, it, it, it was just a classic Tennessee defensive performance that we haven't seen too much this year. Uh, but, man, if they can keep this rolling into March, I mean, uh, I, I tweeted about it. If When everybody's clicking, this team looks really unbeatable to me. Yeah, so coming into the game, A&M shot 26.8% from the top of the key. You hold them to 19.2%. A really dazzling stat right here. Uh, Coming into the game, the Aggies were 37% from the mid-range area. They went 0 of 8 on Saturday night. So really, um, you know, kind of forcing these bad shots. Um, 4 of 14 outside the cylinder in the paint as well. Um, compared to their season average of 32.7%. So um, you did a really good job of of defending every spot on the court, not only just the perimeter. Um, This was probably one of their best defensive performances of the season, their best defensive half, I think, of the year was in the second half, um, where they really just locked in. You know, uh, Jace talked about Ziegler getting an inbound steal. A&M just looked out of it and looked rattled, and, and Tennessee had their way that whole second half. Um, really impressive performance from the Vols. Um, Tennessee, which led for over 37 minutes and trailed for just 52 seconds, uh, concluded the night with a decisive 46-22 edge in paint points and a 21-6 edge in fast break points. It shot 52.4% and held the Aggies to just 27.3%, uh, the lowest mark um, by any team or any Tennessee foe this season. 
Um, how are the Vols able to dominate in all facets here? Well, I think it springboards off the defense. I think mm-hmm. when you play that well, that good a defense, they can't get anything going. You're able to kind of settle in offensively. You don't have to force anything. You don't have to enter into this track meet with them where they're hitting everything like they were in College Station, and you just have to match it. And if you're not shooting well, you're not going to match it. Uh, playing that well defensively allows you to just hey say, hey, we're going to play our style of basketball. They're not going to do anything because our defense is too good. Mm-hmm. So I think the defense is probably where it starts. Um, where you can just be like, you know what, they're going to play our game tonight. Um, and that goes into, I don't think we ever let them slow the pace down and play in the half court, which is something we talked about with Jordan on Friday. Yeah, uh, That they really like to slow down and play in the half court for extended possessions. And this this game just never slowed down. Yeah. We kept the pace high. Uh, that 21 fast break points is the stat I think you, you need to know, yeah. is that we were just able to run the floor and go up and down and turn this into a track meet almost where it was just up and down the floor, they can't win games like that. They're not built to. Um, So I think the pace went to it as well. And and our shooting was just really good. This is a really good shooting night, which we expect at home at this point from this team. They shoot so much better at home. Everybody looked calm and composed and comfortable, Mm -hmm. uh, and it worked out, and and you dominate the game. Yeah, this team's – again, last time these two teams played, I mean, they just got punched in the mouth and bullied up and down the court on both ends of the court. I think that sort of took – uh, into effect, especially towards the late thing, like we said with Cameron Carr, just uh, just putting the icing on top at the end with that dunk, uh, as well as coming off of not a very flashy performance against Missouri either. Uh, that one you kind of sleepwalked through uh, and ended up getting over the edge late because of uh, Dalton Connect turning it on late. But uh, in this game, you really didn't have to rely on Dalton Connect. I mean, he had 24 points, but it didn't really feel like he had 24 points. I mean, if you wanted to pick out a star in this one, it's either Ziegler or Adu by right. far, in my opinion. Uh, so, I mean, being able to rely on those guys, too, is something that helped out as well. It's a perfect get-back opportunity, again, coming off of a not-so-great uh, performance uh, out in Como. Uh, and, you know, Triple J and – uh, Zakai both took it personal. Like I said, they were laughing up and down the court uh, whenever they would make a good defensive stop and they'd make some fast break points. So it was, uh, you know, a perfect storm for a get back. I think the Vols were able to play off the home energy, um, and they've always, you know, played well this season at home. But um, I think with you know having a night game on ESPN, everyone, um, you know, the, the the checkerboard night. It, there's a lot going into that. I think. Um, they, they feed off of the, the crowd. Feed the floor is the motto for yeah. uh, Stirl the Pearl, and it, and it applies uh, on Saturday as well. Um, so I think feeding off that and also settling in defensively it gives you a lot of opportunities to run out in transition where Tennessee's been really good this year at home. Uh, think of Alabama. Think of Florida, Ole Miss. Um, all of those games, you made it very difficult for the other team to stay in it because you're getting stops and running out immediately in transition. And A&M's got a couple of guards in Radford and Taylor that are able to get back. Um, but Tennessee almost had a, a mismatch every time, whether it was a three-on-two fast break, uh, four-on-two, whatever it may be. Um, Tennessee was actively trying to push the tempo. Um, and I think that's why you saw such a, a dominance in the um, fast break points, um, also on the boards as well. Uh, A&M was starting to try and have to counter the transition by trying to get back a little bit quicker and as a result, um, that's less people down low to get the rebound. So um, I think all those combined into one is what made it the, the opportunity for the Vols to be so dominant. Uh, the Volunteers amassed a thorough 53, or excuse me, 50 to 33 advantage on the glass against one of the top rebounding teams in the nation. It marked the first time they grabbed 50 boards in a game 
since December 7, 2022, and the first time in SEC play since February 26, 2022, as well as just the third time in the last nine seasons the Aggies were minus 17 on the glass. Why were the Vols able to dominate the glass? It comes back to being aggressive. It comes back to being more physical. It comes back to playing with more hustle than the other team. Beating that guy to the ball. Out-muscling him for the ball. Saying, I'm going to go up there and go get it. And we talked about that extensively mm-hmm. last week when we talked about the fact that they have to control the glass in yeah. these games. And it just comes down to you got to be the more aggressive of the two guys that's down there trying to grab a rebound. Um, and it seemed like the Vols were all night long. Another thing to me, it felt like maybe Barnes made this a point of emphasis, it, it sounds like, in game prep. Uh, where he said, you know, we got to focus on this. We're going to put a huge emphasis on this. Mm-hmm. It looks like it to me, um, as if these guys knew going in that, you know, hey, we talked about this all week. Let's go do it. Um, so it feels like to me it was a, a point of emphasis in game prep. Yeah, they were aggressive all day long. And, you know, looking back at the first game against AM, they kind of took something out of the Aggies' playbook where, uh, you know, we would see Anderson Garcia go up and just knock it back towards the guards on the offensive yep. end. They did that on both ends of the court, uh, and that worked out really well. I remember seeing uh, Josiah Jordan James jump over Anderson Garcia to get one of those out to Zakai Ziegler uh, and get the ball moving the other way. So it was really cool to see that. Uh, it, it also felt, just from a fundamental standpoint, the timing was so much better. They're high-pointing the ball at the absolute uh, closest they can get to the rim or as high as they can get to grab the ball. Uh, I, I felt like they were more in sync in, in, in that department as well. So, uh, like you said, it was an emphasis in practice, especially going into this one, because they knew they had uh, to outdo the Aggies in that department to be able to succeed the way that they did. Yeah, you know, when we talked about it on Friday, this was one of the biggest keys of the game, making sure that you're – um, you didn't have to necessarily win the glass, but couldn't get totally out-rebounded. And, and Tennessee did the exact opposite and made sure they out-rebounded them by a fair margin. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, as we talked about in the opening monologue, it just goes back to being fundamental, boxing out, knowing where your personnel is. Very fundamental stuff. The Vols were able to do it with their collection of seniors and experience they have on the roster. Um, they were able to buckle down at home. Uh, locate your man, box out, and go to the ball and not let the ball come to you. That's exactly what they did. And I think that product um, is exactly what resulted into um, getting those transition points, getting out on a run, and and really putting this team away. Um, Just the difference, however, because we've talked about this a couple of times, you know, uh, Vols look really good at home. And that last matchup against the Aggies on the road, uh, you couldn't say the same. Um, even against Missouri, it was a, a, an ugly one. And Missouri, um, who was really good in blocks and turnover rate and steal rate, um, kind of pushed the Vols around for a little bit. The Vols were able to respond. But it was not your best performance on the road once again. We've seen a number of these this year. Uh, does the difference between home and away performances uh, worry you guys the rest of the way? A little bit. Uh, it seems like this team is more timid on the road. I think that's the word I've used in the past is timid. Uh, they don't play as loose. They don't you know, jump out the passing lane as much. They yeah. kind of stay very reserved um, on the road. Uh, they don't take as many chances. Uh, they don't play with as much fire. It doesn't seem like just very reserved, very complacent, um, and that's not going to win you many ball games. And that shows mostly on defense. I mean, Jordan talked about it on Friday, how much this team's defensive ranking <clears throat> drops when they go on the road. Yeah. They're just a completely different version of themselves when they go out on the road and that's something they need to figure out because you don't get to play your tournament games in thompson bowling arena no so you're gonna have to figure that out um and for now that does worry me because you know we've yet to see this kind of dominant effort on the road Mm -hmm. um and so we're gonna need to see that i don't know if we see it in the regular season but we need Mm -hmm. they need to figure it out 
Uh, because, again, if you want to be a championship team, you got to be able to win away from your home building. Yeah, it is a little bit concerning, especially this late in the year. Uh, and, and like you said, it, it does kind of feel like they're taking the mindset of it being more of a business trip than going to and playing the game exactly. that you love yeah. uh, and are talented enough to play at such a high level. Um, I think timid is the perfect word to, to say about it. I mean, they're, they're not uh, – I don't think they're nearly as aggressive – uh, especially whenever you're looking at just how enthusiastic everybody is. I mean, the bench will get hyped sometimes, but guys on the court usually straight-faced unless they just make an absolute crazy play. So uh, I think getting into this point of the year, it is something to look at. Uh, but thankfully, from, from here on out, you've got two true road games and the rest are neutral, uh, especially with the SEC tournament being in Nashville again this year. I think that'll help out a little it bit. Uh, but whenever it gets to March Madness, I mean, this team is going to really have to find its identity outside of TBA. Yeah, I mean, it does worry me because, I mean, we've seen and come in here time and time again and been disappointed with a, a road performance. Now, there have been a couple of examples this year where we've played in neutral site games and fought very hard. Very well could have been Purdue if we didn't shoot, you know, 40 free throws in that one. Um, a little sloppy against NC State at times, but you're able to fight through that one and win pretty convincingly. Um, you've had a lot of neutral site opportunities where the Vols have looked good in, in a majority of the time of those games. Um, and, you know, as you mentioned, you know, when we go uh, to the tournament, we're not going to be playing those games on the road in hostile environments. So right. It'll be uh, really, honestly, it'll be kind of split four different ways with yeah. the, the other teams waiting to, to be the next team in line or, or um, you know, just, just waiting around. But um, – I think it is concerning because I really do think they feed off of the energy at TBA. Um, so it's it's something good teams can win at home. Great teams can do both. They can win on the road and at home. Tennessee has won games on the road this season. The Kentucky one stands out more than any. Yes. Um, but you've got another opportunity this weekend. And, and I think – um, we'll talk about here in more in a minute, but this has the opportunity to be one of the biggest weeks under Rick Barnes. Um, playing both Alabama teams this week, Auburn and Alabama, um, two opportunities, one at home, one on the road. Um, you want to see a lot of the same at home, but you want to make sure it carries on the road as well to a team that we saw um, them get embarrassed this weekend, but we know what they're capable of offensively. Have to make sure that defense travels Um Again, it, it does scare it does scare me, um, but neutral site games you have at least performed pretty well. That's what you'll be in in, in the tournament, um, so there is optimism for that. Um, now going to Rick Barnes, let's brag on this guy a little bit. Even though he didn't wear orange on uh, Saturday, he was wearing <laughs> he wore gray. He was wearing smoky gray yep. with a hint of orange. Uh, he achieved his eight hundredth career win. Uh, what does this say about Rick Barnes' legacy? Well, a very polarizing figure at times here in Knoxville, but when you when you sit back and you look at it, I mean, he's one of the best to ever do it. And now by the numbers as well, that supports him as well, one of the few to win 800 games in college mm -hmm. basketball. Um, and so you have to sit back and appreciate what he's been able to do at multiple programs, but especially here in Knoxville. I mean, when, when he came to town, uh, Tennessee was not a perennial tournament team. I mean, he was a middle-of-the-pack team. You were 500. Um, and now, I mean, for the last, what seems like five or six years, you've been at the top of college basketball in yeah. the top five or ten when we get to the end of each season. It's no longer, will we make the NCAA tournament? It's, will we be a one seed? Will we be a two seed? You know, who's going to be our toughest game to get to the Final Four? Mm -hmm. and, you know, that's and that's a huge growth. Uh, he now just lacks that tournament success, and this year's the perfect year to add on to it. Get your 800th yeah. winning. Why not go ahead and go to a Final Four yeah, after yeah. that? But that's all he lacks at this point mm -hmm. in his career. 
Uh, he'll be remembered, I think, with or without it here in Knoxville just for bringing us back to being a powerhouse. Yeah. And he's built the foundation for, for this program to be very good for years to come. Yeah, he's uh, his impact everywhere he's gone, I, I think, has been really big, too. Yeah. I, I think he – I remember seeing the video earlier this week that uh, the basketball team posted. Uh, Rodney Terry was giving him his flowers uh, just because of the opportunity he was given by Coach Barnes and how he's uh, been able to take over the Texas program that's been pretty solid over these last few years. Um, you know, I, I think him being a good person also helps it because, I mean, you, you took all those coaches that you saw in that video, like Coach Izzo, Co even Coach Calipari chimed in uh, and was thankful for a friendship. So I, th I think that uh, is just icing on the cake because, I mean, 800 wins, I mean, you're one of, what, 15 coaches in men's NCAA uh, history to do that. Uh, I, I think it's a for sure Hall of Fame uh, career by far. It, his longevity has, uh, is pretty unrivaled across the board for the most part. Uh, so I, I, I think it's it's huge for him, uh, but it also speaks to the people around him too. Yeah, I you know, this is a, a great achievement for any coach. And um, I thought the video um, that Tennessee did with all the, you know, anywhere from John Calipari – um, to to uh, English, all those, just everyone that's been influenced by him, um, just giving a couple words, just shows, A, his character, how well-liked he is, um, and also his greatness as a coach. Not many people can garner uh, those many big names um, in one video and, and also um, have a, a lasting success on a lot of players as well. Uh, very impressive stuff for him. Um, is this the most important week, however, under – uh, with the Vols under Rick Barnes. It might just be. I mean, this week's probably going to determine whether or not you're on the one line or the two line mm -hmm. um, in, in the NCAA tournament. And that line kind of alters your path to the Final Four. I feel like if you get to a one seed, you, you might have a little bit easier path to the Final Four. You're not going to see a Houston. You're not going to see a Purdue. Uh, you're not going to see one of those teams that's above you right now before getting to the Final Four. Mm -hmm. You basically control your own destiny at that point. Uh, and if not, you know, the selection committee is going to hold your fate. You know, do, do you get the UConn region where you got to go see Clinigan and, and those guys before the Final Four? Mm -hmm. um, and, and also, along with that, it'd be a monumental accomplishment to get on the one line. I mean, this is a program that has never done that. It's, in some, it's the one thing, basically, besides getting to the Final Four that you've never done is be on the one line mm -hmm. in the tournament. So, uh, between that accomplishment and the route to the Final Four, yeah, this is a crucial week. Yeah, it's it's huge, not only nationally, but for the SEC, too. I'm, I mean, this, this team is, uh, I guess, in possession of first place right now. They have an even record with Bama but still have the tiebreaker right now uh, and, and you can really separate yourself uh, in these next couple games especially against a really good Auburn team uh, and, and a team in Alabama that has the potential to shoot the lights out I mean they still scored 95 points up and uh, up at Rupp Arena so that's that's also something to look out for uh, but yes mainly on the national seating front here uh, I mean this this team has the opportunity to do like you said Dawson what no Tennessee team has ever done control your own destiny uh, in the national tournament which I mean would do crazy wonders for this team uh, especially when you look at how many just random Cinderella teams this team has ran exactly. into over the year mm -hmm. as as like a three or a four seed they'll get that 12 or an eight seed that'll just run right through everybody so th this could be huge yeah I, I, I agree as well um, big opportunity we'll have to see how the Vols do um, this week when we come back we'll talk about the Vols cruising past the Great Dane stay right here on Overtime 
Ever been the coach who realized the team's gear just wasn't up to par? Well, if I'm being honest, that was me. Just a downright irresponsible and plain bad coach. Then, SM Athletics changed the game. I want you to picture this. I walk into their store, a coach with a vision. SM Athletics didn't just see a coach. They saw a team's potential. And they delivered custom uniforms so striking. Our team's spirit soared. From cutting-edge apparel to top-notch equipment, SM Athletics transformed our presence. No more unreliable online orders or envying the other team's style. SM Athletics stands for quality, design, and on-time delivery every time. Coaches, elevate your team with SM Athletics. Call 865. 966-3434 or visit smathletics.com. Get the best for your team. Delivered right and on time. So, elevate your team's game by contacting SM Athletics today. We make it easy to save money. Get access to thousands of discounts on shopping, dining, and travel with the CNB Plus Perks account. It's a powerful new way to save money with roadside assistance, cell phone protection, identity theft protection, and credit monitoring. Banking at CNB has its perks. Call or stop by a branch for more details. Citizens National Bank. Banking never felt so good. Member FDIC. Are you ready to flash that dazzling smile? Well, look no further than Knoxville Smiles. Our experienced team is here to give you the care and attention you deserve. From routine checkups and cleanings to advanced cosmetic treatments, we've got you covered. Say goodbye to dental worries and hello to a confident, radiant smile. Don't wait any longer. Schedule your appointment today and unlock the power of your smile. Call 865-539-1776 to schedule your appointment today. Or just visit KnoxvilleSmiles.com. A brand built in Tennessee and born from the love of the game. Inward Half revolutionizes golfing comfort. Crafted by a former pro and dedicated enthusiast just like you, our luxury performance wear guarantees you stay cool and comfortable through every swing and every day. We're not just a brand. We've set out to create a lifestyle for those who understand that impeccable style and premium performance are a hole-in-one. Enjoy the walk-in with Inward Half. White Claw is taking hard seltzer to new heights with White Claw Surge. At 8% alcohol, White Claw Surge is a stronger wave of refreshment that doesn't compromise on taste. Available in four bold waves of flavor like ripe blackberry, citrusy blood orange, zesty natural lime, and tart cranberry. Check out your favorite retailer in-store and online for the White Claw Surge Variety 12-pack and 16-ounce single-serve cans. White Claw Surge, please drink responsibly. Back here on Overtime on a Monday after a big weekend of Vol Sports. Just covered the basketball team. Now time to get into the baseball Vols. Uh, who cruised past the Great Danes of UAlbany over the weekend. Uh, the number 7-9 Tennessee Vols capped an undefeated week with a complete performance in Sunday's 12-0 run rule victory over UAlbany to finish off the series sweep at Lindsey Nelson Stadium. For the second time this week, UT's pitching staff allowed just a single hit. The Vols, who improved to 7-1, used five different pitchers on the day to post their second shutout of the season. Uh, Xander Seacrest got Tennessee off to a great start 
with three strikeouts and two scoreless innings before handing the ball off to sophomore right-hander Nate Sneed, who also struck out three in 2.2 shutout hitless innings to earn his second win of the year. Uh, Kirby Connell, Andrew Benke, and Derek Schaefer combined to pitch the final 2.1 innings uh, to preserve the shutout. UT's relief pitchers retired the first 13 batters they faced and 15 of 16 overall in the game. The Vols jumped out to an early lead with three runs in the bottom of the first and cruised from then on. Uh, the duo of Robin Villanueva and Dalton Bargo uh, led the offense with two hits each and five combined RBIs. Villanueva, what a weekend for him. Uh, homered for the second straight game and also scored a pair of runs while finishing with three RBIs. Simo uh, Christian Moore uh, reached base three times, scored twice, and drove in a run from the leadoff spot to continue uh, his torrid start to the year. Uh, Kavaris Tears also had another productive performance with an RBI single in the third inning and two runs scored. Uh, Tennessee has now swept 12 of its 14 non-conference weekend home series uh, since 2020 and has not lost a non-conference weekend home series since dropping two of the three to Wright State in March of 2020. Uh, guys, takeaways from the Vols' undefeated weekend. Well, this offense is still as good as advertised, and it continues to get deeper. Uh, you just introduce more and more guys off the bench yeah. that can come in and get a big hit. Everybody that stepped to the plate, it seems like, was productive. Throw Bargo and Villanueva in the mix of guys that can just really hit the baseball well. Uh, and that list continues to grow, and that's a great asset to have, especially when you get into conference play. If you need to switch the lineup around, if you need to get some guys off the bench, if you have to do some situational hitting, uh, you have guys that can do that, and you have guys several rows deep on this team, on yes, this roster, yeah. that can all do so, and that's something this team I don't feel like has had over the past few years, just the flexibility to say, oh, hey, get up here and get a hit, and that yeah. guy will come up there and get a hit. Yeah. Um, so that's huge. The pitching will be fine. Dominant weekend by the pitching staff. Yeah. Yes. Um, all looked very good. Uh, looked like a deep group as well. Again, that's something I've talked about that I think the, the Vols have lacked in past seasons where you had a few guys, and then after that it was kind of, eh, you know. Uh, and, and then, um, you know, guys like Snead, Causey, Russell all looked good. Uh, all continue to, to work forward to being those you know kind of cornerstone guys in, sure. the, in the rotation in the in the bullpen, um, but all continued to, to progress. Um, and the Sunday guys looked very good as well, uh, mm -hmm. I think. And we'll get to talk about that in a minute. And the final one for me: the young guys came here to compete. Yes, uh, yes. Dean Curley uh, have a weekend. <laughs> uh, he looked very good. Yeah. Uh, a couple others uh, of the freshmen that got on looked really good. Schaefer looked good in his appearance yep. yesterday out of the bullpen. Uh, but these guys, they came to play. They came to ride these guys with experience said hey we're not going to just sit over here because we're freshmen we're going to compete with you for your spot yeah um, and that's going to be huge again going forward just for the depth you have the talent you have several layers deep that's huge yeah uh two guys that i thought uh really really stood out to me just over this last week and i i have found them uh you know i, I think these guys should be mainstay starters that's again dean curley uh, I, I, I think just his length and on the defensive end and just the power that he brings to that offense uh, is really unmatched by anybody else in that shortstop kind of area. I mean, Alex Perry's a good one. Uh, he, he's a lengthy defender, but I haven't been able to see him too much on the offensive end. Uh, and Robin Villeneuve has, has been huge for that offense. I mean, he's only appeared in six games, but he's hitting like 580 right now. Got two big, two yeah. big home runs 
uh, on the week, and so so that was really awesome to see as well. Uh, I, yesterday, Nate Snead looked really good. Uh, really liked that. Uh, I heard in a press conference he before he got to campus he didn't have his cutter at all, and with uh, Coach Frank Anderson, he's he's been able to develop that, and it, wor- it was working wonders for him. Uh, on Sunday as well. Uh, Christian Moore has just been unbelievably consistent so far. If he can keep that rolling, uh, he might be in talks for the Golden Spikes, in my opinion. I think he just because of how he gets it done on both ends. Uh, and, you know, one, one good thing to see is Kirby Cannell is back. Granted, it was only for one batter, which is sort of what his role was last year. He'd jump sure. in for a quick one. Uh, but, I mean, you get a guy like that, it's finally off – of, of being sort of hurt. I know he had some arm soreness or something like that, but finally seeing him back uh, and active again is a really good sign for this team. Yeah, and then on Saturday, can't forget to mention this, you know, UT totaled 18 of their 21 runs in, in the three middle innings. three innings uh, of the game, adding four in the fifth and five in the sixth before Man. tacking on another three in the eighth inning uh, to wrap up the scoring. Uh, the Big Orange finished with uh, 15 hits 10 of which went for extra bases, including four home runs. Uh, look, inferior opponents, sure. Um, but how impressive was this weekend's offensive production? I mean, it was very impressive. This team early in the year last year did not score like this. Uh, mm-hmm. They kind of struggled in some of these early season games to be able to put together some offensive production. This team, right out of the gate, no struggles whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Uh, even in that opening series, not up to this level, but either way, you know, you're getting base hits in those series in those games as well. Uh, this team just doesn't have that struggle. They're out of the gate rolling. Everyone, it seems like, is is hitting well. No one's really in that early season rut trying to trying to get you know settled into their spot in the lineup. You know, the lineups even moved around. Guys are you know hitting from seven spot, hitting in the four spot. Kavaris yeah. Tears, perfect example. Hits well in the seven, moved up to the four spot, hits just as well, and he's productive. So. That's huge. This is the homer mashing, big hit, swagger filled team that we're used to seeing that we yeah. saw two years yeah. ago. Um, that is able to just mash baseballs. Uh, this yeah. team can hit the ball for power, uh, rivaling that team two years ago. I, if they continue like this, I almost think they'll be better at it mm. than that team two years ago was. Um, and just, I mean, when you have a team like that, it's impossible to not have a lot of swagger yeah. in that lineup. And they showed it again this past weekend and so that was that was great and for me continued clutch hitting as well I mm-hmm. talked about this uh, after the ETSU game where you had 11 runs with two outs in the third uh, you still have that hits with two outs guys are on base with two outs you're converting those for runs now which has been a big problem for a lot of us over the past couple seasons um, it's that you get guys on base you get opportunities and then you can't convert you end up sitting mm-hmm. down scoring no runs so this team's gotten better at that uh, it's been impressive and it was really on display this weekend yeah I, I think one thing that was impressive is we we didn't see much of two guys that have been starting for most of this young season so far and that is Hunter Inslee and Dylan Dryling both of those guys didn't see the plate too much I know Inslee didn't start at all this weekend uh and he uh I know he got one at bat on Sunday and he got walked because there was like 11 walks or something like that last night uh so I, I, I feel like that shows a little bit just how uh raw talent there is for this roster I think that's something to be impressed with uh and I know in a press conference Dalton Bargo said that uh throughout the weekend he you know with this team coming in this is their first games of the year uh and not too many I guess great pitchers on there a lot of low velocity uh he said that they were having some struggles trying to keep up with that only because they saw so many good arms out in Arlington and had to really adjust back and of course uh, by the numbers you look at it, they did just fine throughout the rest of the weekend. Uh, so I, I think that's also something that's sort of impressive them 
because uh, I mean, a couple years ago there there were nights where kind of like against Tennessee Tech in that 2022 year where you struggled to get it rolling uh, against an inferior opponent, and this weekend they did just fine. They uh, I guess they adjusted to the speed uh, that's not like SEC level or Big 12 level. So I, I think that's something to be uh, looking forward to as well is just how they can adapt to different situations. Yeah, and real quick before we had to break here, uh, on the mound, who had the most impressive performance of the weekend? To me, I think it was the combo of Seacrest and Sneed yesterday mm. uh, for, for different reasons. Um, for Seacrest, he needed this badly. Uh, he has a rough start last weekend. People start questioning: Is he the guy on Sunday? Uh, he comes out and proves that perhaps you know he is the right choice at least for now. Uh, yeah, he only went two innings, but you know still looked very good in those two innings. Faced six batters, worked well, was efficient, had a lot more command. I think controlled the zone better. Mm-hmm. Um, so for him, that's huge. For Snead, this is just continued success. I think him going longer this time is a big sign as well. I know we've talked about you know can a flamethrower go sure. the length of a start? Well, he goes two and two thirds, yeah. um, which is getting closer yeah. to uh, you know what will be a full length start on a Sunday. So that was huge for me as well. Um, just that he can do it over a few innings. Uh, you know, uh, Ben Joyce could do it, but only could you know could do it for about an inning or two. Uh, if Snead can go longer than that and keep up the velocity, mm-hmm. uh, he could potentially make his way into your, either your rotation or be your number one guy of the bullpen. Yeah. I'd have to give it to Snead as well because, I mean, he only faced eight folks on Sunday, like you said, but he, he uh, got all of them off the plate. None of them had solid contact whatsoever because, I mean, he's working that mid to upper 90s fastball in. Throwing the cutter in like I, like I was talking about, that was working really good, uh, changing direction as well. And seeing him again going deeper into games and, you know, maybe we're used to seeing out of bullpen guys is really positive especially when we're still doing some searching for that Sunday guy let's uh let's actually go to the phones real quick uh 865-546-8200 your number if you want to hop in we've got Joshy boy on the line what's up Joshy? what's up guys how are you good how are you doing doing well man i had a really uh good weekend in bed and william i went eight and oh this week seven and oh saturday and uh one and oh yesterday Ooh, nice. yeah i'm uh i went uh 13 and two this weekend too so we're, we're oh, both nice. hot yeah rolling so uh i'm gonna be on uh my one play tonight i'm gonna be on baylor money when i'm leaving the points at home and i'm taking the bears outright at tcu yeah, that, it's an interesting one. I, I'm honestly, we've you know we got our bet, betting segment coming up here in, in a second. I've been back and forth with this game all day. Mm-hmm. I think it's a terrible spot for um, Baylor coming off having to travel real quick. Um, but I do um, like the points they're laying at two and a half. I think this should be closer to a pick 'em. Um, so you're laying two and a half, and, and look, they they've lost two straight. So um, they're kind of due to bounce back and get a win. TCU's won three out of their last four. Um, and their last loss was coming to uh, Texas that came in there and handled business um, through the majority of the game at TCU. Um, So I like it. I mean, I think Baylor um, is the better team. They've been struggling as of late. This is an opportunity to get a win, but it is going to be a tough one trying to get it on the road. Yeah. So uh, what do you guys think about uh, Kavaris Pierce so far? Do you think – Arguably, he's one of the best hitters on the team. Yeah, I mean, he's been special. And, and he was a guy that when we did our, our preseason conversations, uh, we, we thought would be an X factor for this team and a guy that maybe uh, wasn't on too many people's radar but would uh, closely become one of the more consistent players on this team. And he has. He's been great. Um, really good offensively. Um, has had a, 
really a, a standout moment in almost every game he's played this season. So um, uh, he's definitely a great addition to an already really good offense. And what do you think so far about like uh, some of these SEC teams going down to these lower mid-major teams in baseball? Do you think the conference could be down this year maybe? No, you know, I, I think that, you know, anytime you know, you, you play these early season matchups, a lot of these teams are trying to figure out what they have on their roster. They very well could be kind of tinkering with some things. Um, and, look, I guess you're referring to the Gonzaga-Vanderbilt game yesterday. Um, but I, I don't think they're bad. I mean, Tennessee's lost games at home as well. Uh, well, has lost games to inferior opponents as well, I should right. say. Um, but that doesn't mean that they're uh, not a good team or won't be a good team going forward. I think it's just early on in the season – a lot of teams are trying to get back in the groove of playing baseball each week um, with midweek games and weekend series. So um, I, I don't look too much into it. I, I'd really start um, seeing what these team, teams look like come conference play. I think you get a little bit of a better read then. So uh, Wednesday night, Auburn comes to town. What do you guys think about that matchup with the Tigers? Yeah, man, it, that's a, a big one. And, you know, we, we talked about it in the last segment. This is probably the biggest week um, of the Vols season and very well could be one of the biggest weeks under Rick Barnes uh, at Tennessee. You've got an opportunity to really play your way into a one seed. Arizona uh, slipped up this past week. They lose against Washington State. Um, you have the opportunity now um, to get two top 15 wins. Um, and one of them being on the road against one of the best offensive teams. If you want to yeah. make it to a number one seed and if you want to make uh, people believe in this team and believe in Rick Barnes, um, I think this is the week to do it. Um, Auburn at home I think is a favorable matchup considering the way the Vols have played at home this season. Um, Auburn also dealing with a couple of recent injuries to, like to Jalen Williams. Um, so, um, you know, the Tigers not being full force against the Vols help out. Um, but I'm really keying in on Saturday. But um, you can't let the team key in on Saturday either. You have to make sure right. you handle you business can't look at ahead home. Yet. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, what do you think the spread will be in that game Wednesday, close to maybe three and a half? Four yeah, and a half? that's what I was going to say. It was three and a half. Yeah, you know, I, honestly, I'd say I'd say five and a half. Really, um, with the way Tennessee's played, I could see wow. it getting up to six. Um, kind of similar. Um, to how Colorado State, New Mexico was last week. Um, yeah. It just kind of continuously climbed. Even Florida and Alabama last week, too. That continued to climb, too. Um, be interesting to see what it is when it comes out, but um, I, I would be surprised if it's really anything over six. And, uh, guys, one last thing out the door. I'm really glad Tennessee won the preliminary injunction against the NCAA, and finally – the NCAA can get off our back. See you. Yep, I, I'm 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 happy as well. <laughs> kind of uh, you get get all that off your back. Big win. We talked about it on Friday, um, and it'll be very interesting to see what the NCAA does going forward. Stay yep. right here on overtime. We'll be right back for our best bets. The superbly versatile all-electric EQB from Mercedes-Benz. A compact SUV that's full of big surprises. An optional fold-out third row offers luxurious comfort for up to seven occupants. And almost 24 cubic feet of cargo space means this compact SUV is big enough to handle anything you can throw at it or in it. You can set the tone any way you like with 64 color customizable ambient lighting throughout. 
And just like every other Mercedes-Benz EV, the EQB features the very latest generation MBUX voice-activated tech. So whether you want to set a new destination, change the tunes, or tune up the heat, all you have to say is, hey Mercedes. This vehicle's all electric, the feeling's all Mercedes. Test drive the EQB today at your local dealer or learn more at MBUSA.com slash EQB. That's MBUSA.com slash EQB. eBay Motors here for the ride. Elbow grease and a whole lot of love transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive entirely its own. LED headlights, spoilers, whatever you need. eBay Motors has it all at affordable prices. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride every time. With all the parts you need, at the prices you want, it's easy to bring home the win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Are you tired of looking at that piece of furniture that is wore down, but you don't want to get rid of it? Go see our friends at Sun Upholstery and Fabric. Locally and family owned and operated with over 67 years of combined experience. Located at 8913 Oak Ridge Highway. Give them a call today at 865-237-3272 or visit them online at fabricsun.com. That's fabricsun.com. And be sure to tell Stan that you heard about him right here on Fan Run Radio. The best athletes don't just play the game, they change it. When it comes to investing, Gainbridge is doing the same. Their online platform does things differently because it's designed to put you in charge of growing your own savings. It's intuitive, it's easy, and best of all, it's on your terms. No wonder Gainbridge has earned the trust of 40% repeat customers. It's a better way to invest because it's investing your way. Get started today at Gainbridge.io. I've been moving calm, don't start no trouble with me. Trying to keep it peaceful is a struggle for me. Don't pull up at 6 a.m. to cuddle with me. You know how I like it when you love it on me. Back here on overtime, time for our best bets of the night. Um, very small slate in college basketball tonight, not a lot to pick from. Um, but my only best bet of the night will be Baylor plus two. Um, this is a, a really tough game to cap, in my opinion. Um, Baylor coming off a devastating loss to Houston. You've got to turn around and, and go to TCU. I think it's a tough turnaround for them. Um, but um, I think this team is really good offensively. They're better than TCU is offensively, in my opinion. Um, I think they're kind of hungry to get back on the court after really falling apart in overtime, having an opportunity to win that game against Houston. Um, TCU is a, a really good team. They've won three out of four. They've had a great stretch as of late. Um, but I'm going to take Baylor plus two here. Um, I just think it's too good to pass up on. Yeah, I'll go ahead and do both of mine since you only had one. Uh, I've got two tonight. First, Baylor. I found them at plus two and a half uh, tonight at TCU. Again, they need this one in a bounce back spot. It was a heartbreaker against Houston. Uh, that they, for a second, thought they were in, uh, thought they were out of, excuse me, at the buzzer. Uh, turns out they're in it, and they end up losing in overtime anyway. Um, but played Houston very close, made it a very good game. They need this one in a bounce-back spot. We'll just have to see how much energy they have coming off of a quick turnaround. The other one for me tonight, into the NBA, Pacers, minus 6.5. Uh, 
at home against the Raptors. This is a very small spread for Indiana, who is only missing Aaron Neesmith at this point. They are full strength otherwise. I don't see why this spread is this low. This is a team, again, firing on all cylinders in the playoff push as they head up the standings, try to get a better seed for themselves going into the playoffs. It's a group that uh, has really found their stride this year, uh, and I like them tonight at minus 6.5. I've I'm gonna be fading most of y'all tonight. I've got TCU minus two and a half. I know, uh, but again, it's it's it goes back to what I've been saying. It's Big Twelve basketball, man. When you're you when you're at home, you've got a real uh, real good chance of winning. TCU's been playing pretty well. Uh, Baylor's kind of lost their footing a little bit again. Played pretty good against Houston, just couldn't get the job done at home. Uh, but you know, uh, with, with TCU, they 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 play good at home. They've already beat this Baylor team on the road as well uh, in a triple overtime thriller and out outmatched them like 105 102 or something like that so i've i've got the horned frogs there i'm also rolling with the pacers tonight I'm, i found them at minus six against the raptors again uh th- that's a really healthy team against a not very good toronto team uh and i mean uh halliburton siakam turner all those guys are healthy they're going to be rolling tonight I, i'm not sure why that line's not like nine plus yeah all right our best bets of the night me baylor plus two and a half Baylor plus two and a half and yeah. Pacers minus six and a half. TCU right. minus two and a half and Pacers minus six. All right. Our best bets of the night. We'll see you on the other side right here on Overtime.